Kirokutu Katoa. It's Friday the 2nd of October 2020 and welcome to the Week in Tax. I'm Terry Boucher, Taxpert and Director of Boucher Consulting Limited, a tax consultancy helping individuals, small businesses and professionals navigate the tax minefield. In this week's podcast, highlights from yesterday's Accountants and Tax Agents Institute of New Zealand's Spring Workshop, Inland Revenue 1, Libertarians nil, and How Could a Wealth Tax Work? Yesterday, I was one of the presenters at the Accountants and Tax Agents Institute of New Zealand's uh, Spring Mini Conference. Other presenters included Chris Conniff of Tax Management New Zealand, Derek Assam of Insolvency Protect Practitioners Rogers Reedy, and Kristen, Tristan Dean of Hayes Knight. As you'd expect, the programme was dominated by the impact of COVID-19 and its implications for accountants and tax agents. It was an excellent mini-conference and there were plenty of very useful insights from the presenters and also from the audience and participants. Here are a few that stood out for me. Outside of the very obviously hard-hit sectors such as tourism and hospitality, business seems to be holding up well judging by the tax take and what Chris Cunniff of Tax Management New Zealand is seeing. When we were in lockdown, first lockdown, the final tax payments for the twenty, the year ended 31st of March 2020 year were due on the 7th of May. Now by that stage, Inland Revenue had made it clear that they were using new provisions to enable the to waive the apply application of use of money interest if tax was paid late. So Chris Cunniff and TMNZ thought there would be a huge take-up of IOD's offer on that regard. But in fact, through what they saw through the tax pooling, about $2.8 billion of provisional tax was paid on due date. And according to Inland Revenue Statistics, it has about $163 million of tax that would have been payable on the 7th of May under instalment. That is, the person rang up, contacted Inland Revenue and said, hey, not going to make this payment, can we, um, in full, can we arrange uh, an instalment of, uh, um, to pay it by instalments? So that $163 million represents about 5% of the total tax payable on the due date. And that's actually really encouraging because it means the businesses have got the money and they were prepared to meet their liabilities and their profitability was relatively unaffected, which given that the tax year was 31st of March is what you would expect because the full effect of of COVID-19 had not arrived by that date for most of businesses. Moving forward to the first instalment of provisional tax for the current year to March 2021, that was due on the 28th of August. And um, comparing what was paid on 28th of August 2020 with what was paid the year previously, it was only about a 5% fall in the tax paid overall. And and remarkably, 55% of all depositors with TMNZ paid more tax this year, uh, with only 42% paying less tax than the previous year. So um, that was actually really encouraging because when you consider that the June quarter had um, was when GDP fell 12.2 percent, 
Um, this tax holding up quite well was quite um, as, as well as it did is a is, it seems to be an encouraging factor. Generally speaking, though, most people thought the real acid test for how businesses are tracking along will be the second instalment of provisional tax, which is due on the 15th of January next year. Of course, terrible timing, um, middle, uh, middle of the holiday period. So that will be interesting to see how well businesses have held up in respect of that. Derek R. Sam of Rogers Reedy thinks that the real wave of insolvencies hasn't really got underway yet. But what was intriguing to hear was a couple of points that came out that um, were firstly that despite Inland Revenue's business transformation program, it seems that a large number of companies or a number of companies going into liquidation still owing several years of PAYE and GST. And this is surprising to me because Inland Revenue Systems really ought to be picking this up much, much sooner. Um, we did used to see this quite a bit, that several years would pile up, but with business transformation, they're supposed to be uh, across this and uh, much sooner and getting in and saying to these companies and uh, what's going on here and taking action sooner. Now, if that is not happening, then there's something else going on in Inland Revenue that we don't know and which the Minister of Revenue should be perhaps asking a few questions about. The other thing is in relation to the question of commercial landlords um, who has been, they have not been required as in Australia to provide um, some form of relief for their tenants and uh, and actually I think in Australia there's some um, provisions for staying eviction notices. What um, Derek Assam is, see, is seeing is that the commercial landlords are taking a very hard line, starting to take a much harder line on uh, tenants in arrear, in arrears, and they seem to be particularly targeting food outlets. Um, that they probably think they're no longer they, these have been hit hard by COVID nineteen. They're probably long term not sustainable. We're just going to apply the, the pressure now and get rid of them. That seems to be something that's happening there. Again, more we'll see more as the year goes on. Tristan Dean of Hayes Knight then ran us through um, a professional ethics issues to be addressed when a client takes up a wage subsidy they're either not entitled to or don't apply it as prescribed. That was highly relevant given the issue popped up in the second leaders debate on Wednesday night and that sort of provoked a, an interesting discussion around that and no doubt will be the, won't be the last time we hear about that. And finally, from the floor, then when we were discussing, discussing the question of um, the treatment home office allowances, the overwhelming reaction f was that inland revenue safe haven of $15 per week was well short of the mark, with most people suggesting somewhere between $40 and $50 per week uh, being much more realistic re uh, representation of the costs involved, using the formulas available to um, people um, inside the Income Tax Act. Um, that's something that I've seen pop up in uh, commentary or from some of the comments to um, articles when we've discussed this question. So I think um, it's a temporary, the determination that was Inland Revenue issued was a temporary one. 
maybe when the permanent one comes out we can get a more realistic increase uh, of the amount applied in there and increase that amount to say something closer to that $40 mark. Moving on, a couple of weeks back I mentioned that Inland Revenue has issued up ga- uh, updated um, guidance on the taxation of crypto assets. It now seems that it's um, now applying much more pressure on this industry or investors because this week it emerged that it has um, been asking companies that deal with um, crypto assets to hand over customer details. Now, as probably people are quite aware, the cryptocurrency and crypto asset world is is quite um, libertarian in its philosophy. So this has probably came as a huge shock um, to um, investors and the companies themselves that inland revenue not only could demand it, but they had there was nothing they could do to stop inland revenue um, handing over uh, meeting inland revenue's um, demands. Um, a couple of years back, the uh, information gathering powers of inland revenue uh, in contained in the Tax Administration Act 1994 were increased and new sections giving them wider powers of search and um, entry uh, were given to them. New sections 16 to 19 um, were basically redrafted. And so this is well known uh, within the tax um, professional community just how extensive the powers are of inland revenue. Pretty much um, the response is when a client says, can they really do this? We say, yes, we're just going to have to uh, grin and bear it. Well, not exactly grin, but you're just going to have to take your lumps on this. And so the crypto asset community is not the first to find out just how much uh, how extensive inland revenue's powers are, and they won't be the last. And in many cases, they, and if they're feeling very unhappy about it, they won't be, uh, they're not alone in that. Um, it's a good lesson for this. Um, I would think that um, this could work out quite profitably for inland revenue that if if taxpayers have been thinking that, well, the um, web servers are offshore, we don't really need to comply with this as, um, on this at all in the darker darker reaches of the internet um, and outside the reach of inland revenue. You're not. And other tax jurisdictions the world over are also taking a closer look at crypto assets. So um, you've been warned. This is. Um, it will be interesting to see what comes of this how much revenue, inland revenue, um, raise as a result of their actions. And finally, um, the Green Party's uh, wealth tax has been in the news um, again um, as the debate, as as we get closer to the election um, date, and the, it's, uh, there's been a reigniting of the whole question of the taxation of capital. Without getting into to go into too much detail, one of the arguments has been advanced against a cap uh, wealth tax um, is that it would be complicated to um, implement, and undoubtedly there are quite a lot of complexities to be addressed, most notably around valuations. But it's not impossible, and in fact, 
we really we have a de facto wealth tax in operation at the moment and we've had it since um, 1st of April 2007 and that is the revamped foreign investor fund regime and the application of the fair dividend rate. For those who um, are not familiar with the foreign investor fund regime or FIF regime um, and the fair dividend rate, the it applies to overseas uh, stocks and shares but not bonds because they're subject to a different regime and basically taxpayers are assessed on the lesser on of the notional gain over a income year together with the actual receipts from sales and dividends in that year or a 5% fair dividend rate applied to the value of the investments at the start of the income year. And for KiwiSaver funds and companies, the fair dividend rate, this 5% um, mark, is applied at the beginning of automatically. They don't have the alternative of the actual gains and losses during the year, or, or notional gains and losses if that's lesser. Now, when you think about that, when I've talked, as you might expect, I have to explain the rules to overseas clients. And recently, they conceptually, because it's not a capital gains tax, they've struggled with it. But once it's a rephrased and reframed in the idea of a flat wealth tax, they get it very quickly. And that's basically how I explain it to uh, overseas investors coming in. This is effectively, the fair dividend rate is effectively a wealth tax uh, 5% is assessed, and if you flat rate of 33%, you're talking about 1.67% uh, applying. Now, the fifth regime, or foreign investment fund regime, easy to calculate where you have publicly listed securities. But the, the regime has a whole set of rules that people don't, don't apply, know about, generally, that applies to unlisted securities. So much of the work that you'd expect to see when you're addressing a wealth tax has actually already been done and is already in force in our statutes. So if you were implying the wealth, um, a wealth tax uh, in New Zealand, you're bringing it in, your starting point would be to expand the FIF regime the foreign investment fund rules across more assets and then change or tweak the definition around fair dividend rate to whatever rate of tax you wish to levy on the assets. So in short, it's less complicated. It's complicated, but not quite as insurmountably complicated as people make out. And of course, when you hear people saying, oh, it's too complicated, a cynic like myself is always wondering just how much they're arguing out of self-interest. And on that bombshell, that's it for this week. Um, I'm Terry Boucher, and you can find this podcast on my website, www.boucher.tax, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and please send me your feedback and tell your friends and clients. Until next week, hey kuna ra.